In today's truth, I'll be talking about New Year's resolutions, the pros and cons around them, and how I was able to give up a variety of destructive behaviours. Thanks for tuning in, and today I'm talking about New Year's resolutions. I think a lot of people put themselves under a lot of pressure this time of year, and so I thought I'd share some of my experiences with dealing with addictions, as well as my observations of people who are trying to give up certain habits or addictions. So this could be anything from drinking, smoking, uh, gambling, changing their eating habits, or a range of other, we'll call them, destructive behaviours. Bearing in mind, of course, that in most cases, everything in in moderation is fine. I think it's pretty safe to say that at, at this time of year, most people find themselves reflecting on the year that has just passed. I think the the same thing happens around birthdays as well. Those milestone points during the year where where we look at what we planned to achieve and what we ended up achieving. And being 2020, it's probably safe to say that for most people, a lot of things that they had hoped to do or planned to do didn't come to fruition. I had to cancel a planned overseas trip with my mother, so you know, as has been the case for, for many people. Um, if that's the worst thing that's that's happened to you this year, in, as in my case, you're probably doing all right. For many people, though, it's it's been a lot tougher. So changes to their work practices, you know, working from home, children being homeschooled, uh, changing the way we interact. And then there's those that have that have lost their jobs or had their hours reduced. And then there's those in, in the health services who have had to, to work longer hours and harder hours and at greater risk to themselves. And, of course, don't forget those that, well, we had a neighbour that passed away, but um, it's been particularly tough for those that have had to grieve uh, loved ones alone without the immediate support of extended family and friends you could really spend hours going on and on about how how things have been more challenging for people and uh, but i think regardless of people's situations we still come to this reference point at new year um in the media at the moment it's it's all about covid you know in the new year things will be different there'll be the vaccine and things will get back to normal but you know, it raises the question, what, what is normal? Um, and for a lot of people, normal also isn't very healthy. You know? Over-drinking, lack of exercise, overeating, perhaps overworking, I think that's an addiction which, which far too often gets overlooked. So regardless of whether COVID was here or not, this phase of self-reflection always always comes up. So um, at this point, I'll touch on my experiences with addiction and what I often call dangerous behavior. Uh, that way you can, you can understand why I think the way I do with respect to how people deal with their habits and why I believe New Year's is probably not ideal for, for stopping a behavior, well, certain behaviors anyway. I... Uh, I just can't help but feel that when 
when you're coming off a period of celebration and overindulgence, you, you, you might be setting yourself up for failure, which, which is okay because you know, every, every attempt at change, um, especially when it comes to, to addictions, um, gets you closer to ultimately, ultimately achieving that, that goal. Um, that whole idea of of slowly chipping away at what most at what most people um, that idea of slowly chipping away at what you want to achieve uh, most most people would have seen the you know the old quit smoking ads uh, the campaigns where where quitting's like a muscle that builds up over time I think uh, I think it's meant to represent willpower that's uh, that's the muscle that, that builds up over time. The, the more, more often you try to quit, you know, the more likely you are to, to eventually quit. So for me, from my mid-teens, I started to indulge in, in dangerous behaviours that included, you know, regular drinking from around the age of 15. And, and that was probably a, a fortnightly to a monthly thing. I had already started smoking. I, I started smoking at, at 13. And uh, and then there was the gambling, which started when I was about seventeen. I'd uh, sneak into pubs to play the gaming machines. I was betting on horses from the age of sixteen. Uh, the gaming machines uh, for me was a was a step up from from arcade games. Now I'll be dedicating an episode or two, or maybe even three or four, to to gambling specifically at a at a later date. But um, so I won't spend too much time on it. But briefly, I think it's important um, just to to reflect on on how that addiction grew. I was I was transfixed by by arcade games, uh, arcade machines from the early eighties. Um, from a very young age, from my my first encounter at the local supermarket with my mother when I was about seven. Um, by the time I reached my early teens, I already had what I would describe as a chronic addiction to to arcade machines, and I, I could spend hours on this subject alone. Hence, the reason for um, the planned future episodes. Uh, I also started smoking pot when I was sixteen, and that was a bit more sporadic early on. It would gradually increase over time until I reached my late teens, early 20s when it became quite heavy. And uh, while I was at school, it was a fortnightly weekend kind of thing. But then as I as I got older and, and had more freedom, it became more regular. And it was maybe three, four times a week getting stoned and sometimes drinking on the alternate days. I'll also address uh, this subject uh, in in more detail in future episodes. So I just thought I'd, I'd touch a bit more on my experiences. So my behaviours would jump from one to another, but but gambling was always a constant. I'd shift between you know, heavy drinking and heavy pot smoking with with gambling always a common thread. That was that was the pattern for about 15, 20 years, uh, as was working. That was also key. I, I always 
I always worked for the most part in jobs that I really didn't like. Now, I was an electrician for, for 10 years and I can honestly say that I hated it, uh, hated every day of it. Um, I guess the only thing that really made it bearable was the people I, I worked with um, and, of course, the comfort that my income was able to bring me via my addictions. So the the drinking and the pot smoking fluctuated, you know, so one would be heavier than the other and, and, and they'd take turns. Uh, and sometimes it was six months on, six months off, that kind of thing. And, and, that, and, and like I said, that went on for, for years. Sometimes I'd, you know, classify myself as a smoker for, for more than a year or two and then go back to being a drinker for, for a couple of years. Uh, and, that, and that went on until I went traveling in the early 2000s, uh, just before I turned 30. I, I went to Europe for almost four years. And during this time, it, it became more about drinking and, and less gambling. Gambling was nowhere near as accessible in Europe as it, as it is here in Australia, uh, particularly during those times. I realized pretty early on in the piece when I was around 23 that these behaviors were destructive for me and and I sought out help. I, I went and saw a psychologist primarily for gambling. I, at the time, I didn't see pot smoking or drinking as a significant issue. Uh, back around that time, the, the therapist had recommended that, I, that I'd come back for more sessions, but... Um, I wouldn't end up seeking help again for for another couple of years. It was two or three years before I I went to see someone again. Uh, she she had been probing into my early childhood, and I just I just wasn't ready to go there. I was I was twenty three at the time, and I just come off a relationship breakup, and I put it down to my gambling. But uh, you know there was more to it. A lot more. And again, I'll be going into that in more detail in, in later episodes. But what I can say based on my experience and, and and the vast amount of data out there is that at the core of most addictions, these destructive behaviors is is some sort of traumatic episode that is that has led to to the development of these patterns of of behavior. So my destructive behavior went on for, for many, many years and fluctuated in terms of its volatility. That um, doesn't mean that I wasn't able to function. You know, remember, I, I, was, I was a workaholic, which means income to sustain my habits. And when I became a small businessman at the age of 33, there was more income available. So so gambling uh, became more of an issue as um, as did drinking. Look, I, I never really stopped trying to work on the issues with my behaviour. I saw various psychologists at, at different times, but I was also, yeah, and, and part of that was also dealing with depression and anxiety, and they're all connected. Um, and I wasn't able to make a lasting change until... It was 2014. Uh, I was I was 43 at the time, and I was referred to a new therapist. and And the timing of that was pretty crucial, as I was in a 
a very dark place at the time. I'd been drinking heavily and I was gambling heavily. Um, drug use by this time had, had subsided. Um, from time to time I might try something, but, you know, it was limited. It was more of a case of drinking, gambling, smoking, cigarettes, that is. So I saw this therapist and I, I gave her the rundown as to how I'd been feeling, uh, things I'd been dealing with in the past. Uh, I gave her the rundown, described my childhood traumatic experiences um, as far as I'd dealt with them with, with previous uh, psychologists. The, the therapy that I'd gotten into at various times during treatment in my 20s and 30s, and um, you know, I gave her details about the, the treatment that I had undertaken during my 20s and 30s and and she said to me well she she gave me an ultimatum at that during that first session she said uh she said she could help me but that i would i would have to stop drinking first and foremost and if i did she would she would take me on as a as a patient you know it was strange because in the past i'd i'd always been been given the option, but not now, not, not not in this instance. It had always been that, you know, I should probably abstain from drinking, but it was okay to have a few. Just don't overdo it. None of them ever put their, their foot down like that, and uh, that was exactly what I needed at that time. So I, I stopped drinking, I stopped smoking, I stopped gambling and I also also stopped coffee. Um, that was something I, I hadn't mentioned earlier. Coffee, coffee's been a big one. Uh, for me, they all work together at different times. So they all they all feed into one another. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. The whole coffee and a cigarette. It was it was more of the adrenaline rush with the coffee for me. It was the the pick me up from the night before I would binge on the coffee uh, the morning after binging on the alcohol the night before. So, you know, half a dozen double shot espressos a day wasn't uncommon for me. So New Year's for me was, was always a reference point to look back at how I, how I wanted to slow down, but I found it too difficult. In the years leading up to cleaning myself up, I found February and March easier to slow down. January was usually just too hard. I found that I would maybe stop for a few days after the Christmas and New Year bender period, but then find myself getting into it again soon after, like a, a few days later. You know, friends were off work and, and the temptation was too hard to resist. I think what many people don't realise is that during this period, we are just consuming so much sugar with cakes and so much food and alcohol. And to to try and stop that in one hit, it's just, I reckon it's lunacy, to be honest. It's nuts. You know, with with any drug, they, they tell you to wean yourself off. If, you know, if you're, you know, if you're addicted to pain medications or even antidepressants and, oh yeah, I forgot to mention those also, but... um Again, that's another episode. Um, you know, it's it can be pretty harrowing to try and go cold turkey. I I did it with antidepressants, and it was and it was fucking wild. 
And the same goes for drinking and, and smoking. Most people would have met someone who's gone cold turkey, say, after cigarettes, and it's and it's insane how irritable they get. So the reality for me was that until I was given an ultimatum, I, I couldn't get the help that I needed. And what it came down to for me was that my behaviours, those habits were embedded in, in, in patterns. They were all inter, interconnected like a, like a support network, and they were all related to to trauma that I'd suffered as as a young man. And uh, whilst I'd touched on the on the trauma various times throughout my adult life, it, it hadn't been fleshed out to the to the extent that it needed to be. And when I did, everything changed. You know, when I when I saw the truth of, of the past and how it had altered my development and and the subsequent effects on on my behavior it was easier to work out what needed to be done um i feel for many people who seek out help you know that take that that courageous first step and and don't get the help they need and in my experience quite often it's it's just because the the person that they're dealing with just isn't isn't right for them and that's what happened to me on on numerous occasions. I tried different psychologists, and I was really up for for doing some serious work on myself, but they just weren't the right person to be talking to. Um, maybe they'd remind me of someone, and and that triggered something. Um, their energy was was just off. There was something about them that that just didn't click with me, and 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 it didn't work. And this could have been just the relaxed type of demeanor that that just wasn't what I needed you know and and it can be challenging you know, pe- because people feel like you know, people think I, I feel sick I go to my doctor go to my GP you know I've got a cough or a cold go to the doctor they give me something get it sorted out but when it comes to to these types of issues it's it's trickier you really need to connect with your therapist on a, on a certain level in order to to get the results and i think people need to understand that sometimes you have to you have to shop around and not get get hard on yourself you know if you if you do go and, and talk to someone and things don't just magically go away you if you don't get the outcome that that you're expecting go somewhere else try something else if you go to a male psychologist and it doesn't work for it, work out, try a female. If it, you know, if they're older and that doesn't work, maybe try someone younger and, and, and vice versa and keep trying because there is someone for everyone. I, I firmly believe that. So um So yeah, I, I think it's it's essential to 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 get help from a professional. If you've got an addiction or you know a, a bad habit, an addictive behaviour, say you're a heavy drinker and and you you just go on cold turkey, um, see a doctor first, have a chat, and then maybe get some support, some counselling. Um, same goes with any type of addiction, you know. Just have a chat with your doctor, and if you don't have a good relationship with your doctor, then change doctors. 
you know, I had the worst relationship with with some doc with some of the doctor some of my doctors in my twenties. It was, and then in my later adult life, I just I just changed a couple of times until I I found someone that that I could talk to and 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 didn't have any issues talking to about anything. And it just just makes so much of a difference to to life in general. It's just just makes stuff so much easier. And and the thing about seeing doctors and and therapists around New Year's is, guess what? They go on holidays also, you know. <laughs> they they so so maybe give yourself a plan to get onto it in February or, or March. And it just seems like it'll it'll work a lot easier. So at this point, I'll quickly share some of my experiences as a, as a service station operator. Um, so I guess like any small business, you, you have your regular customers. And in the early years, I would spend a lot of the public hol- holidays around this time of year, um, Christmas and New Year, um, at the service station and, and usually in the mornings, um, basically because I was hungover and it was it was the best time to go in and um, and do the paperwork that I needed to do and, and all that sort of thing, maybe do a couple of orders. Um, and what I found in those first few years was that many of my regular customers, you know, the ones that whose brand of cigarettes you know off the top of your head, they, um, you know, they just have that routine and, and some of those regular customers would undertake to quit smoking. And more often than not, they would, you know, buy bags of lollies instead of, you know, cigarettes to to compensate for for the cravings. Um, I'm sure everyone's heard of of people that do that. And, you know, I found myself talking to some of these customers, and and more often than not, they were they were trying to lay off the drink as well, um, laying off the alcohol. And in most cases, they were back on the cigarettes by by the end of January usually not long after Australia Day. I think Australia Day has a lot to answer for when it comes to, to breaking news resolutions, uh, bringing people back to the cigarettes and the drink. I, I guess the other thing is that many people are on holidays, so, so there, are more, you know, there are more get-togethers, especially given you know, here in Australia where, where it's summer. So, so it just makes it hard you know, to resist those temptations. I think... I think later on during the year, when it gets a bit colder and daylight savings finishes, you know there there are fuel parties going on, and you can maybe arrange that that appointment with your GP, and and he or she is a, is available, you know, and that counsellor that maybe you've been told about is also available, and and it feels like a more it just it just feels like a more appropriate time to be to be working on what you need to to work on, you know, without the obstacles. And there was there was one guy in particular. Um, I remember he. Uh, it felt like he tried three years in a row um, to, to to quit smoking, but it was in the middle of the third year um, that he that then yeah, it was in the third year rather than than just try and go cold turkey again at New Year's, he he chose to slow down instead. And I guess he'd also built up 
that willpower muscle, you know, that muscle. So that, so that would have helped, but, but three years, that's a, that's a struggle. You know, this guy was trying to quit for three years and I, and I distinctly remember having a conversation with him about it. He would talk about how he, he found it really difficult to, to drink and not have a cigarette or have a coffee and not have a cigarette. And, 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 and that conversation would, would come to mind for me some, some 10 years later when I, uh, when I gave up drinking and smoking and gambling and all of my, my dangerous habits. So, yeah. One uh, final thing that, that I would mention, and, and, and this came up in a, in a conversation with a friend just, just a couple of days ago when I told him uh, what I was doing the podcast on. And uh, he mentioned that, you know, he, he had this view that far too many people um, at this time of the year, that they focus on what they should be doing less of. And I hadn't really looked at it in those terms before. Still, and, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, people have this tendency to, to lean towards yeah, less drinking, less eating, less harmful foods, less of everything, rather than having a a focus on doing more more positive things. And for me that for me that has made a big difference in my life. You know, I completely changed my behaviours, and and I and I forget that. I always seem to forget that. I always forget that to change my habits, I had to take up other behaviours. You know, this took the form of 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 writing. You know, back. Back then in 2014, I, it was it was my blog, and I and I started writing a book, and and that eventually led to, led to acting, and especially in early mid 2015, there was there was there was a lot of stuff going on for me, and um, my you know my business was was falling apart, and I was under a lot of stress, and. It was these creative outlets, these new behaviors that I had adopted that I was doing more of that got me through that first year of not drinking and not smoking and, and not gambling. And and I tell you, I, I often thought about it, but yeah, it was, yeah, I look back now and um, yeah, so that, so there's a lot to be said for, for focusing on, on doing positive things with your time. And I think... Uh, COVID has also highlighted that with with many people, um, you know, doing stuff in the garden, for example. That, well, that's that's another thing that that I do a lot of, you know, playing around in the garden, and um, and a lot of people have, have done that during during COVID as well. And you know, and, and taking up things like podcasting and YouTubing, and uh, you know, many people have have taken to to these um, creative endeavors as well. So. You know, I think it's just important to remember that if you, if you want to make a change, you, you've got to put in that effort, and um, and not limit yourself to to just stopping those behaviours, but replacing them with new ones. So I think some of the most important things to remember are, are things like you know, don't be too hard on yourself. Maybe set realistic goals for the year. Plan things out, you know. Be prepared to 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 change those plans. If if COVID's proved anything, it's that 
we're adaptable and that when things aren't working, when, when processes aren't working, change them. Okay? Seek out help. See your GP. Get that referral for a therapist. You know, Find the right therapist. Keep working at it. And, and when it doesn't work, change. Yeah. So um, that's just about it for this episode. I, I hope everyone has a safe and happy new year. Um, in the next episode, I'll be sharing my truth about acting and how it has helped shape the last five years of my life. Remember to like and subscribe. And if you have any thoughts on any of the subjects raised here, I'd love to hear them. Um, happy 2021. And I'll catch you soon. This episode of One Day I Will Tell the Truth was produced by Tony Berea, sound designed by Robert Ferreira. An edited video version of this podcast will be uploaded to YouTube in the coming days. You can find details of all my podcast episodes, including full transcripts, edited video copies, and more about me at TonyBerea.com. Thanks for tuning in.